Welcome to Stepdad Success, turning the tide on the way stepdads are seen and show up in the world. We're a new breed of leaders raising leaders. Blood or no blood, we raise them as our own. We're connected, loving, and committed to leading them into the future. If you asked a normal dad, he'd say we're doing the impossible. He'd say, but they're not yours. How do you do it? Yet every day, stepdads around the world are forging the way. That's what we call stepdad success. We're leaders raising leaders. And these are our stories. Okay, this is James Klobasa for Stepdad Success. Welcome, stepdads. Welcome, everyone. Awesome interview today. We have got Rob Gardner on the line, and he is an expert in porn, kind of. Not quite. An expert in porn addiction. So today we're going to have a conversation about porn, the addiction to porn, how much of a big problem it is, how to deal with it with ourselves and you know like I'll be straight up I've I've looked at porn in my life and you know I'm more concerned about our kids looking at porn and I want to open this discussion up for you guys I hope you get a ton out of this today this is going to be awesome really looking forward to it Rob welcome mate thanks for being on the show um thank you great to have you here yeah, tell I'm honored. Me, I appreciate it. Tell me the obvious question. How did you get into porn addiction? How did I get into porn addiction as a business or <laughs> just into my own addiction? Well, <laughs> maybe maybe give us some backstory because obviously it comes from um, it's come from, you know, some sort of backstory. Um, obviously the business has come out of that. Um, yeah. yeah, tell us the tell us the backstory. Give us a little bit of introduction about you know who you are, where you've come from, and how this all kind of eventuated. So I grew up. My father was in the military. We moved around quite a bit. Um, inside of that kind of experience, you get this this um, feeling of being alone, or at least I did. And so I could make friends. I could go out and make friends, but I didn't really connect deeply with people. And um, about the age of 14, we were living in Utah in the United States, and um, that's when, you know, I, curiosity had, had gotten my peak. I, I had, uh, I, I was an artist. I'd been drawing from the age of four, so I had a whole bunch of art books. I got into some art anatomy books. It was about the time that the internet actually kind of took off, and there was a user-friendly interface like AOL, and so I started finding some stuff online, and... Um, that's where it started. That's where I started looking at porn, even though maybe years before um, some of the seeds had been possibly planted by the ways that my parents responded to other people's um, kind of sexual uh, indiscretions, I guess you could call it. There was a guy when I was five years old. We were living in New Mexico at the time, and he was flashing kids in the neighborhood, and my sister was one that had gotten that way. and. My parents made a big deal about it, but didn't really explain what was going on. And so my mind was already in this state of both curiosity and confusion. Yeah, wow. And that may have been where it all started. Uh, because at that time, I was like, well, why, why is it bad to be naked? Like, I'm naked in the shower. I don't understand. You bathe the kids together at some point in time. So I don't understand what the whole nakedness, why is it bad to be naked? And, the, and it was just not addressed. And I didn't have the courage to ask the questions. not like it's my far- parents' fault. And so um, by age 14, I start looking. And from then until, well, if you add 18 years, age 32, uh, 
I was just engrossed in it off and on. Sometimes I'd go months without it and then I'd go back and sometimes I'd be caught inside of a computer lab for hours and hours. Time would just pass. I would feel that chemical flush in my brain. I'd feel my heart palpitating and thumping. I'd feel like my it, it like it's beating faster. I was harder a little bit to breathe. The tingling in my hands, the coldness that starts to show up. That entire experience, um, probably heightened by the fact that it was taboo in my religion and not okay, and therefore meant that I was somehow broken, um, just sent all kinds of weird, odd, odd chemicals rushing through my system all at once. I became so used to that kind of experience, it was the way that I escaped the stress of trying to be single and not have girls like me, of trying to be a husband and not have a really good sexual relationship with my wife, of trying to be a father and not really know how to raise my kids, of trying to make money and not really knowing how to do that. It's, yeah, like I'm just, I'm looking at all of that and looking at your story there going, wow, you know, similar story. You know, for me, it was probably even earlier around the age of 11. I remember, you know, diving into my dad's bottom drawer and, you know, mm. pulling out all sorts of books and, you know, tell me how, like, talk to me about how big, you, well, maybe you know, or maybe you have a good understanding of how big this problem is on a global scale, because it, like, it's kind of that taboo topic, but at the same time, it's kind of that funny topic that guys kind of flippantly let go of at the pub. It's like a, you know, oh, yeah, I looked at, you know, have you seen XYZ video or whatever it right. might be? But how, how big is the problem really? Like, talk to us a little bit about, about that. You know, that problem is, it, the weird thing is that it's generational in an odd way. Um, guys in, that are older, if they don't have the access to technology um, and haven't really been trained up on it, they don't run into the same problem because their access was strictly magazines and videos that they'd have to go and rent. And so while they may have been looking at them, the older generations don't have the same kind of, like it seems to operate a little bit more like dessert for them than it does. Um, what I see, I teach at Arizona State University. Um, I teach martial arts there. And uh, as a part a part time and I um, what I see there is like these kids phones like they're just like the dead background or they have a video they pull up their phone and there's a video that was playing that they didn't get a close like everyone everywhere it is pretty prevalent with the younger generation moving up because it's just so um, viral. I don't know what the stats are globally. I don't know how many people are engaged with it. I do know that right now the average age that a young kid runs into it, the average is around age 11 now. Right. A lot of the guys I work with, some of them like since age four, some of them molested um, and when they were super young, some of them just, um, that was their culture. One of, one of the guys is from Brazil and he, you know, that was just, yeah, that's how we do things. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so they run into it at a much earlier age. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, you know, I do know I, this. This is an interesting sort of statistic. I mean, it's all over the Pornhub is a big company in the United States is trying to make porn just sort of like mainstream, like to yep. get rid of the stigma behind it. Um 
but porn is already mainstream. Game of Thrones as a series that I don't, I've, I've never watched it, so I don't know if it's good or bad in terms of writing, but the statistics on Pornhub go down when Game of Thrones is on. Right. So there's like some indicator in there in terms of the kind of gratuitous nudity that's allowed um, that people will go wherever they need to go for it. Like it's, sure. that's, it's that's a mainstream show versus a Pornhub, you know? Yeah, almost indicating that it's okay to watch that, um, mm -hmm. watch that style of show and see it in that form rather than go to actual porn. I, I know statistics online that um, about 30% of all traffic online is directed at porn. Now, that's a, considering, oh, yeah, yeah. considering how many people are online, like 30% of, you know, the billions of people that are online are looking at porn. Like, that's a, that's a massive mm. number. Yeah, that's, that's not in the millions. That's not in the millions. That's the hundreds of millions. You know, it's a... It's and what a, they don't realize, what they don't realize is the, the, the deleterious effect that it has on a life. Um, because it's like so flippantly passed off as like, that's just what happens and that's okay. And why are you getting all upset about it? Um, I've watched my own life. I've watched the women, uh, with, uh, the wives of these other men. I've watched their kids. I've watched my own kids grow up. And, um, a lot of times we believe like, because I'm doing this to my, for my own self, like it doesn't really affect anybody else. I'm allowed to do what I want. But what it does is really radically alter a person's personality. Yeah. Um, they tend to get a little bit more aggressive. Their temper shortens. Um, they expect more out of people trying to use them differently. And that, when you're in that state of mind as a husband or as a father, um, your kids really feel the effect. Yeah, it's, it is, like I know this in my own life, is that, when you are watching, and probably a few years back now, when you are watching a lot of porn, you you can feel that aggressive nature within you, you know. You and mm. whether it be in the bedroom or in the kitchen, it's like you can feel this kind of almost like it's okay to treat someone like that. And this is what's being trained into people with porn, um, you know, just yeah having that that kind of that ulterior not a, like a alter ego almost right it, it kind of is i mean ultimately it's your body like if you can imagine yourself driving down the road in your jeep or whatever your body is one part of your experience on life that's in the back seat and then your mind with all of its thoughts is in the passenger seat you're sort of in charge it's like your body just grabs up and grabs a crowbar from the back and knocks you unconscious and then like jumps in and starts joyriding across the country. Yeah. It's like a totally different experience. And then you come to later, like, I don't understand why I did that. I, I didn't mean to. And you really didn't intentionally. It's the, the compulsions of your body sort of said, hey, we need to be addressed, buddy. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. Um, now, like you, you talked about your experience, you know, my experience is kind of a, as an 11 year old, like finding porn, finding booklets, starting to read a lot of that. Like yeah. you know, my parents had, or my dad had like a reader's digest type of porn book. So I read all these stories and that, you know, that gets the mind whizzing at a young age. It's like, okay, that's what I'm chasing. Cause it gave me such a high. Um, yeah. 
you know, as we grow older, it becomes more and more common. Um, we hide it. We, you know, you know, everyone's off kind of staring on it at their, at staring at their phones now, watching it. You've had a re, uh, an experience recently, like with one of your children. I, I like in like there was an incident where he found out about porn. I'd love you to talk through that if you don't mind, just to not so much talk about the experience, but talk about how you approach that with him, because this is a tough conversation. I was yeah. never spoken to about sex as a kid. Never. It was never mentioned. Yeah. The only thing I ever got that I ever remember about anything to do with the other sex was when I was about 16, I was sleeping over at a girl's friend, uh, girlfriend's place, and dad told me, don't you dare come home and um, tell me that she's pregnant. That's the only conversation I ever had in, you know, I'm 46. Yeah, mine was my dad went in the other room when I was like, like, uh, I mean, I think I was 12 and he was like, you got any questions? And I didn't even know the topic. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I assume that was his, his, his talk. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, so I'd love you to just go about like, explain how you approach the conversation with your um, child because dad's out there listening now like this is important shit and we need to need to be able to talk about it like my kids now are um, 10 and 11 like yeah just recently just in the last few months we were given all these um, videos from they go to a Montessori school given all these videos about sex and you know the other sex and whatever blah 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 like I turned them on and I was kind of shocked myself watching them, let alone going, okay, now I've got to explain this. So tell mm-hmm. me, tell me how you went about explaining what, you know, maybe gives a little bit of context on the actual, uh, what happened, but more sure. so about how you approached it and what you said, what you were doing, because that's the tough bit. It's not so much like it will come up. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. It's what we do. Whether you it. want it to or not. Yeah, and it's what we do with it and how we can approach it in a comfortable way that actually is not weird, you know, doesn't leave us without the conversation, um, but actually is a, it serves us and the children involved. Yeah. Um, so the background from my approach to this whole thing came because of my a couple of experiences I had with my parents. One time I asked my dad what, is, what a condom was um, in a in a. It was in the middle of a department store. To be honest, to be fair, I didn't give him a fighting chance, <laughs> and uh, so he just came came back with a. He called it an emergency water bag, um, which is what they use it for in the Air Force sort of uh, survival kits. Right. And so he left it at that. He sidestepped it, and then later on, when I was fourteen, he found some of these images on the computer and confronted me directly with it. But he confronted me. Uh, I mean, I remember distinctly the whole experience and this experience really cemented my all of my actions after that. And I think this context is really what enables a person to understand how to approach it with their kids. I came down the, the, the sort of carpeted stairs into the into the tile entryway. It had kind of a daylight sort of light, but there were some incandescent uh, lamps around couch, kind of a sleeper sofa. My mom's on the end of the couch. My dad is standing it's clear that he's not quite sure how to address the situation, but he feels it's important. My two sisters are there, and he tells me he found some questionable material, images on the on the computer, some pictures of naked women, some pornographic images. 
and he's facing me. Like he's standing in front of me. He's taller than I am. He's facing me and I feel like I'm kind of surrounded. So in that environment, almost immediately, my like, oh, crap, I've been caught shows up. My gut feels it like a punch. My face starts to flush and my hands start to shake a little bit. And my sisters on the left, they don't know what's going on. They're like 13 and 16. So they kind of do what a teenager would with this type of situation. And so they started to kind of tease me and make fun of it and try to lighten the situation. Well, because of all of that, like inside of my heart, I just sort of discovered in that moment that it was not safe to talk to my parents or anyone in my family about this situation and about what had been going on. Sure. Not safe I, at all. And I was going to say, like, that that's my situation. Like, I never broached the topic again because it was like I was confronted with this, don't you dare. You know, like, it was like a, yeah. don't you dare go there. And it's like, that's the end of that. Off, it's mm-hmm. off the, you know, the topic's off the yeah. table. And I think mm-hmm. like that's the, that's, that initial point of contact is key. Yeah. Now, I, um, so like I told them what I, I just confessed to what they had found, and that was my MO with them for everything else that I did bad <laughs> growing up to. <laughs> right. yep. Um, but I didn't tell them anything about it. Um, they didn't find out about my addiction to pornography and how deep I had gone into it for another decade. Oh, more than a decade. Right. Uh, outside of ecclesiastical leaders and church leaders, I didn't tell anyone for 11 years. And the first person I told was the woman I had married, who we'd been married for a couple years at that point. Sure. Um, but it was just because of the confrontation. And the thing is, what I understand now is that pornography is not the problem in the first place. As an addiction, the problem is that the person's unhappy. As I'm 11 years old or 14 years old and I'm curious and I'm lonely and I don't feel like I'm very wanted at school or I don't feel like I fit in with my friends, that's a a strange cocktail of stuff that's going on. And so, you know, like I understand now that that's not the problem. To my parents, though, porn is bad, therefore it's a problem. And so the attack was on porn and it made me feel shamed and broken and like I had Like, there was no coming back from that. I didn't want that for my son. So my wife and I were out at Olive Garden. She got an email in the middle of dinner that said that someone in our household had bought an app called Hot Sexy Girls. Now, I was sitting at the table with my wife, so fair enough. I was not the culprit. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You were off the hook this time. So she... (laughs) I was off the hook. Um, and, um, you know, she just barely recently found some additional, uh, history. And so she had to ask me like, was it you? And I'm like, no, I haven't looked at any of that for five years now, you know? Yeah. Um, but she, so she finds this and she starts to get concerned. I see the look on her face. I ask her what's happening and she shows me the thing. And it's clear which kid it is because there's only one kid that has access. And so she starts to call him on the phone. And I just tell her, look, look, we want to make sure that this is not a confrontation. Sure. Because if we just confront him with him and tell him that he's bad and that he did a bad thing, then all that's going to happen is that he's going to, like, shrivel up. He's going to go away. He's not going to trust us with the intimate details of his life. He's not going to believe that we can be confidants. And so then he's going to go looking for more answers to every question that he has somewhere else. 
So she agreed, you know, and on the phone, he, she just let him say what he wanted to say, but she didn't like push it. She just said, oh, we'll talk about it when we get home. We got home. I made sure that when we sat down, that it wasn't a confrontation at all. I had two agendas. One, make it not a confrontation. And two, make sure that it was within the understanding that pornography is not the issue at all. Sure. The issue is to make sure that my son has the capacity to navigate his life with happiness without being compulsively stuck in some place. It's can I, so can I just stop you there for a second? Because I, I wanted to yeah. bring this up as a really it's quite interesting because I look back now, like when I when I look back at my childhood, um uh-huh. like I think, okay, you know, like I was just searching searching for what's new, but like when you bring this up about the happiness side of thing, I'm like, why would I be searching in the bottom drawer of my dad's thing, sniffing about, like, I'm searching for something. And at that time, like, I know mm-hmm. that I was unhappy. I know that, like, my rough up, my upbringing was quite rough. So I was searching for love. I was searching for happiness. I was searching for my own, you know, wanting to be, you know, connected to other people, that sort of thing. And that's something I hadn't considered before. Like, I just mm. thought, okay. It's something that we bump into in life and then we become addicted to it. You know, it's like alcohol. But why do we go to alcohol? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting point that I don't think a lot of people get that that actual searching for happiness, searching for connection, searching for love is such a big part of this. And it's, it is that porn really isn't the problem. It's, there's a deeper seated problem that's there. Yeah. And, and uh, I think it comes down to just wanting to be loved and accepted for who you are. Sure. Um, so, so, I, so my wife and I, we grabbed this from, from this perspective. And we sat down on the bed and my wife sat at the bed and he laid, he, at first he was kind of like it was a triangle and I didn't want that at all. So I went and uh, I sat on the floor so that my son could be higher than I am so that he could... Um, have some sense of authority, you know, so that he could feel empowered. Sure. Um, Just a simple thing. I'm doing everything I can to make sure that he's in a place of power rather than a place of condemnation. And so then he eventually wanted to lie down. And so then we just moved him. So he was lying with his head on my wife because touch is super important for developing human relationships. So he laid his head on our lap. And that way there's still a physical bond that's happening, even though it's a tough conversation. Yeah, I slid around on the bed. I let his legs across my lap and I just kind of massaged him from time to time, but just kind of kept my hands there on his feet or whatever. And uh, then we just let him talk. We asked him about why, what he'd seen and why he went looking for it in the first place. And he said he was just curious about what sex was. And then he's like, oh, it was a question that I had. And I wasn't sure if dad would answer it. Um, well, what made you have the question in the first place? This is funny. He's like Beatles. <laughs> We're like the band. He's like, no, I saw a picture of two Beatles with their butt stuck together. And I was curious. <laughs> and, and this is, this like, is the thing. Oh. It, it is a natural thing. And this is what we is so crazy in like, you know, this day and age that it is a normal thing. Look, just like you, you said, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, I'm naked in the shower. I'm naked every day. Like, why, why are we hiding this? You know? Um, it's yeah. the thing like kids come across sex through beetles and animals and you know all sorts of things at school like it's a natural part of life and yet we 
make it a taboo subject, hide it, you know, demonize it and and bring take it off the table as a conversation topic. It's crazy. And we do that because we're uncomfortable with it. Like honestly, you know, if you think back to like I don't know, let's say a few years ago, you're engaged in porn and everything else. And if your son had come to you then and asked you, you know, um, like you say, five years ago, before you'd started some of your recent coaching stuff and some of the other stuff, um, you know, if your son had asked you then about sex, what would have been your, your conversation with him? Yeah, it would have been, well, it would have been a tough conversation. It's, it would have been a tough conversation with, you know, with anyone. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's always a... And for me always more of a joke, you know, it's a joking conversation, whereas it really isn't, you know, it's, it's just a normal conversation. Yeah. So the first conversation I have with my kids is usually when they're around eight years old to give them some basics. Like guys have a penis that sticks up. Girls have uh, an opening and the one goes in the other and that's how you make babies. They think it's gross. Yeah. Whatnot. But it allows me to tell them, like, hey, there might be some kids that you run into at school that might show you pictures of naked boys and naked girls. And the whole, they're just trying, like, those pictures are designed just to make you excited about stuff. But the pictures aren't really real. They're not real people doing this stuff. They're like actors. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of them asked me, because I was able to tell them about my own addiction at that point in time, and they've asked questions. But it's not like a one conversation thing. Sure, but the sure. reason we take it off the table is because it's so taboo. Yeah, it's it's just so uncomfortable. Like for me to actually open up, like a little mm, six months ago, I was finally able to open up to my wife. No, it was like seven months ago. Open up to her about a fear that I'd had since grade school about the size of my own penis. Yeah, like that it wasn't big enough and that it wasn't really satisfying and that I was worried about it and whatnot. And we had a really frank, open conversation about that. It only took me 37 years of my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. To find able to like yep. actually talk about this. Yeah. So, Gary, uh, yes, uh, I didn't want to get us off traffic, but off topic. But going back to, you know, you, you, you're there on the bed with your, your boy and you kind of broaching that conversation. Where, yeah. like, how were you? What were the words we use? You were using. What were you asking? How did that conversation kind of um, so, move on? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you know, my wife is concerned about the depth. Did you see any naked bodies? Were you interested? Why were you interested in sex? And those types of interest, uh, those types of questions, because sure. we're curious. Like, is the topic coming up just randomly, or are friends introducing it? And um, for me, my questions were like, okay, so, so when you were looking at those things, how did it make you feel? Um, what happened? And I help because I'm very, very intimately aware with the physiological experience of looking at porn. Sure. I wanted to know, like, did you, like, what happened? What did you feel? And he says his crotch got hard. And he said, like, I asked him, did he feel that hot? like that warmth in his brain that he says, yeah, like, did you feel like super focused? He wasn't sure about that one. Tingling hands he had felt, his heartbeat skipped up. And I was like, dude, did you like, you know, massage your crotch or like touch it or anything like while you were in the middle of that? And he's like, no. And he may or may not have been telling the whole truth at that point in time. I don't know. Sure. We'll kind of fill on that one. Um, but um, just asking, well, okay, so, what did you learn from this experience? And this is when he broke down. 
like for me, ultimately, the body is like the clearest place to get answers. Um, when you have an emotion, it grabs your body no different than if someone had punched you in the face or like, you know, something like that. Yeah. And it's the easiest place for kids, I think, because they don't have to like do all this weird psychology in their mind. And you ask them how to like, what was the story in your head or anything like that? Like they just I don't know. But they know in their body. Yeah, what's going on because they're like that's what they're tuned into and so I was like okay so what, what did you feel from it and he finally he sort of broke down and he says I learned I thought it was the answer but it wasn't because it never lasts isn't that interesting like that's a wise a wise statement from a young man yeah and he'd only been engaged with this for about a week he said you know like he'd been looking at it for about a week yeah. We asked why initially he went, and that's when he opened up a little bit more and told us about how from the beginning of the year there had been a group of kids talking to him and telling him he doesn't have a life, even though they don't really know him and that he does all these other activities and things. They just assume that everything he does is about schoolwork. Um, they don't know him at all. Yeah. Uh, but it hurt his feelings, and he I said, how did it make you feel? He said, unwanted. And, you know, he's in tears at this point, just lying there. He's got a pillow covering his face. He doesn't want to look us in the eye, and I don't want to force him to do that. Sure. Because um, I don't want it to be a conversa confrontation at all. And so he just cries. And great, that's a wonderful way to finally let some of this stuff out. So we let him cry some. And uh, then at that point in time, I wanted to be sure that he knew that, look, you know, this stuff happens. We can't go back and change all the stuff that your friends did or what you decided to do or anything like that. But what we do want, your mom and I want, is to be sure that this is a powerful learning for, experience for you. It's already been super intense. And I would much rather that this be something that enables you to really have a positive experience in your life or something that allows you to have more wisdom in the future or something that that taught you a lot rather than it be something that makes you feel like you're broken or shamed. You're not broken. You're not, you're not shameful. There's nothing wrong with you. You're a kid. It's totally natural. Yep. It's just that this has caused a whole bunch of stuff inside of you and you're unhappy. And we see you wandering around the house, really sullen, really angry, really upset, really irritating your sisters and your siblings. And, uh, if you don't like, we don't want you to have to continue to have that kind of experience in life. And, uh, so like just making sure that he knew that we're like, what, like, we're not going to punish you. I told him, I'm not here to punish you. You already feel punished enough. Just having this conversation. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Um, but it was just, I wanted to be sure that he was clear as he reflected back on the experience, what had happened that he was clear why he had gone there in the first place, that he was clear what he'd learned from it, and that ultimately he was clear that we come win, right, like win or lose, doesn't matter what happens in his life, we love him no matter what, that no matter what, we're on his side. Sure. So moving from there, like that, it, he's kind of got to the intense part of that. Where did you take that conversation from there to um, like, how did it finish up? How did, how did you move it forward? Like, what was the resolve okay. of that? Um, because we kind of don't want to leave people just, okay, we kind of in the middle of it. You know, how's, yeah. it, how's it moved forward kind of in the days and maybe weeks afterwards? Or, you know, even yeah. just days afterwards? So um, we asked him, like, did he have any more questions about this stuff? You know, 
my my wife was like, your dad is a guy. He's pretty familiar with this stuff and how it works. Yeah. And do you want to talk to us about sex and how it works? And at that point in time, he said, no, I think eventually we're going to, in the near future, we're going to have to sit down and say like, look, you've been looking at this other stuff, which means you want to know it's just a little uncomfortable. Yeah. We might as well uh, talk about it. But again, side by side, not like, you know, if he wants to get embarrassed or blush or whatever, he's totally fine to do that. Yep, sure. Um, and so, but then we asked him what he wanted to do about this. Now, he knows that with, with what I do for work, that I help men totally just free themselves from, from the burden of pornography addiction, masturbation stuff. And, um, and so he said he wanted to start doing the Liberated Men program with me. So he basically wanted to run through the program that I take these guys through. Sure, right. Wow. It's a smart smart kid you've got there. Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> Tell me, um, like, it's, I just want to pull it up because it's, it's interesting, like, all these things I'm hearing him saying as an 11-year-old boy, mm-hmm. it's stuff I'm thinking as an adult. And, it, yeah. like, I'm thinking, like, the questions you're asking him – they're obviously similar questions that you're asking in your program, and mm-hmm. can you can you give us a little bit more indication on, you know, what the conversations you're having with guys and this because it's not just a you know I wanted to give the instruction kind of on how to deal with the kids, but obviously this is something that we deal with as men. You know, it's something we deal with as yeah. you know, like I'm talking to stepdads, you're talking to you know other dads, normal guys, whatever. We all deal with it. And, like, I haven't met a guy yet that yeah, doesn't masturbate, doesn't look at porn, and if someone told me that tomorrow, I'd call him a liar. You know, at yeah. some stage in your life, you've seen porn, you've masturbated. If you're a guy, that just happens. So It does. What conversations are you having? Maybe if you can kind of give us some, just some background how you approach it with guys because, you know... Where you know where we yeah we've got to deal with it ourselves because it it really the masturbation that's just a natural thing I think um, porn mm. not so natural right uh, masturbation <laughs> like for me it's had to be something that um, I've had to talk with my wife about and figure out where she sits on it maybe some women are okay with it and others aren't you know that's ultimately a wife conversation um, the guys that come to me dealing with that guys that just feel like it's controlling them instead of them being able to choose it when they want to. And so it's now a compulsion as opposed to a choice. Sure. Like, um, I, yeah. so when I'm talking, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I know for myself, like my, um, fiance, she, she doesn't really like me doing it without her happy. If it's part of our uh-huh. sexual, you know, intimacy, not happy with it if I'm off, you know, hiding in the closet kind of thing. Yeah, because my wife put it to me this way. She just said, look, I want to be able to satisfy that need. If you're just going to go do it by yourself, then what's the, why, why am I even here? Like, I want to be able to be a part of that experience. And so, like, for her, it just feels like, look, that's something I want to be able to help you with. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so that's and, something that every guy's got to kind of negotiate. Yeah, and I guess, I guess at the end of the day, that's what we all want as well. But we're caught right. in we're caught in this kind of weird world where oh, it's like oh, um, well, I kind of I feel like I need sex right now, but I, 
you know, like I've just had a fight with my wife and I, I can't broach the subject. And so we're caught mm-hmm. in this weird kind of place. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, that's what we want. We want in- intimacy with our wives or with our partners, whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. So um, with the guys that I talk to, um, the way the program that I run them through is really structured is ultimately the first thing they have to do is kind of stabilize their life. I don't care about how much they're looking at porn in the beginning. I tell them that like right now we'll track it. We'll keep we'll keep tabs on it so that we know what's going on, how often it's happening, how long it goes and all that other stuff. But like in the beginning, we really have to get them to a place where they have a, a daily system for giving themselves power. You're familiar with this, right? Sure. And uh, so I have them do uh, a bunch of stuff across, you know, every area that's significant in their life that that'll give them some semblance of power and and control so that they feel like every day there's something at least that picks me up. Then from there, we we quickly run into the bigger issue, which is we have they're so entangled. Most of the guys I've worked with are actually been been in addicts for like 15 years or more. Right, right. So so their identity is wrapped inside of this. Who they are is largely someone who looks at porn. It's... And it's... it's, Like, I can totally align with that. Like, I can remember as a kid, like 11-year-old kid, like, when I look back at my life now, I can see that a lot of my life was, like, really controlled by chasing girls. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. I think as men, a lot of people get caught there as, you know, wanting to impress, wanting to chase girls. You know, that's the culture. You go out drinking Friday to Saturday night. You, you're trying to yeah. pick up a girl. Now, I was never a big one for going out to nightclubs and whatever. But in my own way, you know, I was a professional water skier for years. Why was I a professional water skier? Because girls liked it. You know, like, it's a big part of it. And sure, <laughs> sure, like. I, like that wasn't the main reason. I love my sport. I'm very, very sporty all my life, but it's a big part of it. You know, being like you say, it becomes part of who you are. Um, yeah, I wasn't that intelligent. I, I ended up in martial arts, which <laughs> well, that's got its own benefits too. You know, <laughs> it's um, you know, so yeah, like you say, it is a big part of. It becomes a big part of who we are, even if it's running like a program running in the background. mm Hmm. Yeah, so their identity is wrapped inside of this. A lot of them, you know, are married, they have kids, and um, their thought process is because this is in their life, they're broken, they can't really be a really good husband, their wife's not going to like them. Like, they've got all these interesting stories in their head just because of, like, a whole bunch of emotional baggage in their life. And so I take them through this really intense process that takes them um, several weeks to just go through all this stuff and just release it in a really powerful, powerful way. Um, it engages all five of their of their senses. It, it, it like it's kind of intense. There's a lot of different layers of emotion that they tap into, and for the first time, they they're crying and able to release the emotion that they've held in for a long time. Sure. And all we've done really is clean the clear away the wreckage of their past. Sure. Yep. Um, and so that way, now there's firm ground to actually build the relationships that will fulfill them in their life. And so then that's when we start talking about their relationship with themselves and their wives and their kids and ultimately divinity, too. Um, and then now they're in a spot where they can actually move 
and uh, find joy in all of these different relationships instead of always feeling like they're an outsider, always feeling like they're the guy that goes and looks at porn and whatnot. Tell me, um, who's your typical guy? Like, who's your typical porn-addicted guy? Because, like, and I I think I'm kind of, I'm going to know the answer here, but, like, we, like, everyone out in the public, you know, we, there's people in suits, there's people dressed scruffy, there's people with good jobs, bad jobs, nice cars, bad cars. Where does it run across the board mostly? Who do you see coming to you mostly? The people I see coming to me um, so far, <laughs> uh, because this is a very n- relatively new endeavor, the people I see coming to me mostly, they, they're typically father, young kids, either single or married. Um, their marital relationship is really rough because of what's going on. Their wife usually knows about it. Often the wife pushes them <laughs> into it because she yeah. wants it taken care of. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they're probably anywhere between 30 and 45, 50, sure. somewhere in there. These are Christians, a lot of them. Uh, some of them aren't. Some of them are. Yep. So I don't think religion is really a huge play other than it builds more shame in some religions than others. Sure, sure. Um, tell me, are they, like, are they... Are they sheepishly coming to you as like, oh, I think I've got a problem? Or are they like, you know what? I'm just done with it. It's causing too much problem. Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, if I if I reflect on these guys, there's a few of them that are like, a lot of them are, are um, I'd say probably about 30% of them are the kind that it's like, I've tried everything else. Prove to me that your your stuff will work. Sure. That Mike... Most of them have this sense of hopelessness. They've tried every, like one guy, he spent over $100,000 trying to be free of this stuff and he, nothing, no yeah. dice. Yeah. Uh, and so then he comes to me and he's like, I want to know that this is actually going to do something for me. And there's a lot of them like that. They think they know the process that I take them through uh, because of all of their experience. Um, and they don't, but... Um, so there's a few of them that are like that. Probably 30% of them are like, you know, challenge me. There's a f- there is probably about the same percentage that are sort of um, docilely like, okay, I need to take care of this because I can see my wife really wants it to happen and and uh, and that's important and and it's important for my family and whatnot and I need to because God is not happy with it or whatever the reasons are. And then there's like this other middle ground where there's a few guys that are like, you know what, this is, I don't want this anymore. Uh, I want, it's time for me to take care of this and I want to do it. Yes, my wife and kids are hurting because of it, but ultimately I want to do it for me. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because you like, <laughs> like I'm looking at it thinking, wow, you know, like every guy really needs this, but until you get to a an age of, and like you say, you know, a lot of guys are in relationship until you're in a relationship or in a serious relationship. It's probably not something you, you have to hide. Like as a single guy, I would look at it, look at it whenever I wanted to as mm-hmm. a, in, even in early relationship, I would look at it whenever I wanted to. When things became more serious, it was like, eh, hang on a minute. I probably don't need to be doing this. Like this is just a hangover, yeah. a hangover from 
young days of drinking and partying and you know traveling the world mm. and you know staring at girls all day um i probably need to get rid of this um it's an interesting one like you're just saying yeah the yeah the uh, the go ahead i was just gonna say like the the demographic who does it is across the board the demographic who actually mm-hmm. seeks help is a little bit more narrowed there and um probably for good reason but being able to fix this earlier would be a a really a, a better life improvement, longer term life improvement. Yeah, ultimately, that's something that I'm really hoping to. Um, do. I mean, I've worked I worked with a 12 year old kid. He was the first kid I actually did any of this stuff with because um, his mom was like his dad showed him some porn on the computer. Now he's like freaked out about computers. He's not know what to, he can't handle him anymore. I don't know what to do. I don't want it to ruin his life. Can you do anything? And I just said, look, there's this thing that I figured out for me that helped me to no longer be haunted by the images, no longer to have all that fear come up. Um, I'm happy to work with him. Yeah, wow. wow and so cool. then I worked with him. And after one one day, just taking him through that one little process, then he, he, he was fine. I talked to her months later, and she's like, yeah, he hasn't had a problem since. Awesome. That's amazing. So that's, that's what I get to take some through. Yeah. 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 That's that's interesting. You know, being able to take you know and help your son through this, and I'm sure there's you know there's plenty plenty of people out there listening that'd be like, wow, like I need this for myself, and I, and I quite possibly need it for my teenage kids or even young young teen kids. Um, yeah. I mean, like it's ultimately to be able to handle this is takes a little bit of delicacy. But if every father knew how to do this, the problem that I've run into recently is that there's a lot of programs for adults, 18 and up. But when it comes to youth and kids, your only option is licensed counselors and therapists. Nobody else wants to touch the the liability of working with kids. Yeah, yeah. And I guess there probably is some uh, yeah. some kind of legal parameters around that or whatever. But essentially, you know, it's better to to nip it in the bud and be able to have, you know, open conversations like you had with your kids and have been able to have with other kids. It's like, if we can stop it there, it's like, and I'm sure, you know, there's probably other knock-on effects as far as, you know, porn begins at a young age, then the drinking starts, which multiplies the porn, which, you know, multiplies the drinking, which, you know, causes bad behavior, which, you know, causes car accidents. And like, there's a massive knock-on effect from all of this. Uh, Not to mention compulsive buying. Like I know when when I'm inside of a sales pitch, I feel very much like the addict of old. Interesting. Uh, Compulsive buying is a big thing for me. Like not, and I don't mean buying out of wisdom, even though there's a little bit of pressure. I mean like just compulsively going into that place of desperation where you need a fix. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that's an well. I'm sure there's a lot of other knock-on effects, but that's a big one too. And I like I can admit to that myself. It's I know that um, I know that feeling, and I know how to stop it now. But I know that feeling, and it's like I've never thought about where that came from. But that's an interesting one that those two connect. You know, those two dots connect. I actually thought that it was more so from um, the buzz I used to get from like partying and whatever and travel, and um, I thought it was more so to mm-hmm. like 
more connected to travel and the kind of experiences I've had in life. But it's interesting looking at it from that perspective going, oh, I can tell how that all that, you know, biologically in the mind, all the chemicals rushing around, how that all connects. Yeah. Wow. So, um, this has been awesome. I mean, um, it's not of, not every day we get to talk about issues like this, um, although we probably should on a more regular basis. Um, yeah, well, I talk about them every day, um, <laughs> but I wish I didn't talk about them as much. <laughs> sure, sure. Tell me, like, and for the guys out there uh, listening, Robert, where can they get a hold of you and what's kind of, what's the process just, you know, um, I'm sure there's a website there or something they can learn a little bit more about this if they want to have a conversation with you. Um, where do they find out more about what you're up to? So if you go to liberateaman.com, that's the website, and you can opt in there. And after you opt in, there's a series of four videos. So three videos of me and my wife talking about the situation. Uh, the second one's really powerful. It's my wife. She just went to town on what it what her experience was as a wife with a husband who was a porn addict. And I don't think a lot of guys really recognize the extent of the effect that it has. And so um, that's a really good one. But it's about an hour's worth of video there. Uh, the fourth video is uh, one of the guys who's been through the program and the results and the effects that he's seen. And then from there, you can click over and apply. Um, there's a little questionnaire, and you can set up a time to talk with me one-on-one -on -one about what's going on and, yep. and whether or not what I'm doing is really going really gonna to serve you. Yeah, so that's uh, obviously it's all private, confidential, and all the rest of it, so guys don't have to yeah. be worried about being exposed and thrown at you're not going to post their names anywhere, and I'm sure you've got permission to you know, use that guy as a, as a you know, kind of a, right. a case study and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, interesting. Can, like before we wrap up, can you just give us a few minutes on when you came clean to your wife and wanted to start this venture? I know you've been at it for a little while now, and it's you know she's a fully engaged and um, cooperative in this process. But coming clean to her and and ha if guys are at that point now where they're like, look this is a serious relationship. I need to come clean on this just to get it off my chest. How, how did you approach that? And yeah. how, how can the guys kind of go, you know what, even if I just get this off my chest to my wife or my partner, this is going to make me feel better. How do I go about that? Yeah. Um, so I don't recommend doing it the way I did. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, like, I had just finished uh, a meeting with a with a church leader because I had dealt with um, that side of the issue, and then I came to my wife and I said, "Look, this is the reason I went." And um, you know, she was super understanding because it was the first time. She she had grown up really naive, like she hadn't really run into it at all. Um, so she had a really sheltered upbringing, which was really great for her because it developed a kind of resiliency inside of her that's powerful. Sure, but. Um, uh, so she was super understanding, but then there was no, like, it was like, okay, but then I'd go back to it and then I'd come clean again and then I'd go back to it and then I'd come clean again. And every time, um, every time was just like stabbing her in the back 
over and over and over again because I wasn't keeping my word. I wasn't um, honoring the kind of relationship that we she wanted to have that I was hoping to have. And um, I don't think it ever gets better. A lot of women start to go numb and they'll say things like, it's, you know, it's fine, whatever, as long as you're not looking at weird porn. But deep down, the more we've talked to them, the more it's very clear that they, it hurts them. And so when I came clean, I came clean over and over and over again because I was trying to be rid of it. But then I wasn't rid of it. And um, that just made it hurt worse every time. And so sometimes I'd go and tell her, look, I was just in the other room. I was looking at this thing. One time she wanted to, she's like, I, just, I was like, what's going on? What do you want to do? She's like, I want to punch you in the face. I was like, okay, go do it. You know, because I thought, okay, she'll feel good this way. And she, like, at that moment was like, no. Am I going to punch you in the face? Because then you'll think you've paid for it. And so she just turned over and went to bed. Ultimately, to talk to your wife or your girlfriend about this, um, you have to figure out what both of you want inside of that relationship. Um, my wife and I were seeking complete union, not necessarily that we think the same way or anything, but that we're deeply connected on a very almost spiritual level, you could say. And that couldn't happen if every time I turned around and life got hard, I decided to go disconnect from my wife and go try and make a connection to another woman online. Because then every time I came back, it was like starting the relationship fresh again, only with this little black mark against it. Sure. And so um, if, you're, if you're trying to come clean and you want to talk to your wife about this, um, ultimately the best place to start is the facts. Um, including what you want out of it. You, you, you can't have the argument be about anything associated with something that is arguable. arguable. So it can't be an argument. You have to show up and just be like, hey, look, honey, I really, if it's a relationship that you want to go further with, you know, maybe you sit there and you're like, look, honey, I recently have just grown to admire you so much and I want a deep relationship with you. And I feel like one part of that is something that I want to talk to you about. And that is that I have, throughout however long in your life, I've looked at porn. I've looked at it for, because sometimes I was lonely, sometimes is this. It makes me feel excited this way. Like, it, it gives me this kind of high. And I don't want to have to go there in order, like, in order to be okay in life. I want to be able to reserve that inside of this relationship between you and I. And uh, so, but I felt like I needed to tell you about it to just get this off off the air and to maybe even figure out what we could do to make sure that everything's good. And that doesn't mean that I want you to service me or that I want to have sex more often and that if you don't, I'm going to go there. It's not a threat. It's just that I, I don't want there to be any secrets. I want to be able to connect with you and you with me and to be able for us to be able to trust each other. And this is a place where I want to do that more openly. Sure, sure. I mean, we you know, the whole part of stepdad success, you know, leaders raising leaders. Um, the guys know about kind of living the warrior's way. I talk about it. And it all mm -hmm. comes back to that level of truth and starting with that level of truth and getting clear on the facts and, you know, having a, like you say, a focus of, you know, creating something better. So, yeah. So, Ray, like, let me give you an example. Let sure. me give you an example. Yeah, sure. Um, a guy recently I was working with um, has been dealing with erectile dysfunction. Commonly happens inside of pornography and masturbation and stuff. And it can actually be rectified. It can be turned around just 
um, by approaching sex a little bit differently. Um, but so he's frustrated because he doesn't feel attracted to his wife. And there's all these other things going inside his head where he's like, I'm not sure I married the right person. And all those questions arising from the fact that inside of their moment of complete vulnerability, when both of them are naked and both showing up this way, he doesn't feel like he's measuring up. Sure. He feels ashamed. He feels broken as a man. And he's like, ah, I don't know. And I said, dude, what you got to do is just go tell her that. Like, I want to have an amazing intimate experience with you, but sometimes I just, like, I can't get it up, and I don't know why, and it's not working that well, and it makes me feel all these things. I don't even know how you feel about it and how it makes you feel, but I would like to together figure out a solution. Like, even talking to her about that, to be able to say, this is just what is, and this is how I feel about it, which are also facts, but they're just kind of internal facts. Sure. Instead of going to... Because he was going to her, kind of talking to, like, trying to figure out how he could tell her about his doubts and stuff. I'm like, she can't do anything about your doubts. They're yours. She can't do anything about your insecurities. She can't do anything about how much love you do or don't feel. All she can deal with are the physical facts and then her own stuff. And then together you can negotiate that. Sure. Yeah. It's it's interesting because it's... uh... Like even just that conversation would be a tough one to have. And so many people, like so few people have them, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's that level of truth that actually can shift the boat, you know, that can turn the tide on, on a crappy relationship, making it amazing. Um, and again, like even, yeah, coming clean to your wife, it's about getting to that level of truth, which would open up a different level of sexual relationship as well. You know, oh, powerful. You know, it's that, you know, people holding back and hiding their, you know, porn addictions and all this sort of thing. I, like, I know that when I came clean, I was like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I do this. I don't really want to do this. Like, I just want to, you know, have better sex or whatever. Like, it opened up other conversations that allowed us to have a closer intimacy which is what I truly wanted, you know. Right. It's like our lies keep us from what we truly want, you know. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a weird little um, kind of catch-22 scenario that we live in. Um, and, you know, I'm, it's, you know, especially within, like, the, the topic of porn addiction. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's amazing work that you're doing and it's, it's always interesting yeah, these as as we talked about earlier, you know, these topics are not ones that are on the table every day. Um, I'm sure this will be a popular episode within the, the podcast, just because it's like that taboo topic, you know. Um, yeah. But you know, everyone everyone knows the conversation; they just don't want to bring it, you know, put it on the table. Well, fortunately, you've decided to do that for them to some extent. Now the guys can just be like, "Hey, honey, listen to this podcast." <laughs> well, it's it's, <laughs> it's let's it's, talk about it. What are your thoughts about that? And I've already said all the. I said the penis word. I said masturbation. What haven't we said? <laughs> well, um, well, I I don't think you mentioned vaginas um, <laughs> or boobs or anything like that. But yeah, let's let's just say it all now. I mean, this is the thing. Um, yeah, for me and why I wanted to get you on here is because it's not a topic that's um, spoken about. I think it's a massive, I think what you're doing is awesome. Um, I think it's a massive problem in men in general. But the fact that, you know, 
you know, you're dealing with it with kids, I think that's a massive help. Um, and I think, you know, anything if, you know, if people are just taking away one little insight from this um, podcast, it'll be awesome for them going forward and awesome for their kids. Um, you know, this podcast, it's about, you know, creating, you know, leaders that are raising leaders, but ultimately that affects our kids and that affects our, the next generation of their kids. Um, so that's why I do this. But, um, you know, I take my hat off to you for, for coming clean and doing what you're doing, Robert. It's, a, it's great. It's a great thing. Well, thank you. Mate, um, I'll just recap and on where they can catch up with you. That was liberateaman.com. Is that correct? Correct. Liberateaman.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, yeah, a couple of videos there you can watch. Check it out. It's all confidential. If you need um, help with this, catch up with Robert. It's like, this is totally cool to just come clean, guys. It's, it is a big problem. It's like I see this as no different to a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction or anything like that. It gives you that buzz, um, but it's not benefiting you in the way that you truly want. So, I think- In the words of my son, I thought it was the answer, but it wasn't because it doesn't last. I, th- I think they are profound words that should be plastered everywhere. Um, it's... You know, it is, that is exactly truth. And, you know, for guys out there listening, liberateaman.com, check it out. Um, we will catch you on the next episode of Stepdad Success. Go to the website, grab the show notes, sign up for the uh, tactical guide, or go to liberateaman.com and do yourself a favor. Thanks for being on the show today, Robert. Great. Uh, discussion mate and look forward to catching up again soon would you like to learn more about how stepdads across the globe are joining forces in raising the next generation of leaders then head to www.stepdadsuccess.com and grab all the show notes plus a copy of the brand new tactical guide for creating more happiness health wealth and wisdom as a stepdad and if you liked the podcast please share it with other stepdads you know and leave us a review on iTunes. Again, that's www.stepdadsuccess.com for all the show notes and tactical guide. Come and join the new breed of stepdads, the growing group of leaders raising leaders.